Picture this, you're sitting down to watch a live poetry performance. The first poet takes the stage, and as they begin to read, they're accompanied by a live jazz band. If this sounds intriguing, well, you're in luck. International Jazz Poetry Month returns to Pittsburgh on May 2nd. The festival features more than 50 artists, including local jazz icons and poets from Algeria, Cuba, Sudan, and Ukraine. Tickets to watch online or in person at City of Asylum's home on the north side are free. Get yours at cityofasylum.org before they're gone. Here's what Pittsburgh's talking about. For years now, the city's had plans and a chunk of property ready to build a big police training facility. The price tag for the whole thing is $120 million. So what's it going to look like? And what can we learn from a similar plan already making some not great headlines down in Atlanta, Georgia? It's Tuesday, April 4th. I'm Megan Harris, and this is CityCast Pittsburgh. I'm in person with City Papers' Jordana Rosenfeld. Thanks for trekking over downtown. It's good to see you. Yeah, thank you for having me. Uh, So you did this great piece uh, for City Paper about a model for what we could be building, um, but theirs is in Atlanta. It sounds like maybe it's a scary model for it. Can you walk us through what Atlanta's cop city is? Yeah. um, So there are plans in the works in Atlanta to build a $90 million police training facility. Um, which people are saying would be the largest training police training facility in the country. Um, these are not very popular plans. People have made it clear in hours and hours of public testimony at city council meetings by calling their elected officials. They've made it clear that they do not want this training facility. Um, yeah. It's slated to be built in part of a forest that is like Atlanta is known for its trees, known for its kind of canopy. Yeah. Um, And this is a part of the kind of like largest remaining undeveloped green space. Um, It's also adjacent to a majority black neighborhood. And it's just like not a thing that that people people don't want this massive training facility in their community. However, it's been pushed through the official channels by the Atlanta Police Foundation, Mm -hmm. which is basically a nonprofit that's kind of a slush fund for the police. It's funded by like many of the biggest corporations in the U.S., UPS, Amazon, Delta Airlines, Airlines, which is headquartered there. Yeah. Yeah. All of these big corporate interests that give millions and millions of dollars to equip the police in Atlanta to protect their interests and protect their property. They have really pushed these plans through city council. And when people in Atlanta realized that their voices weren't being heard, that going through the traditional democratic process was not going to get them the results that they wanted, which was to like preserve the nature in this community and to preserve the peace, people said, okay, well, we're going to physically go and be in these trees. We're going to camp in the forest and we're going to stop you from developing this land um, because you're not listening to the fact that that the people of Atlanta don't want this. And that brings us kind of back to Pittsburgh, um, because you've been following a few people from this region that have been going down there to protest. By the way, uh, y'all have to forgive us. It feels right that there are police sirens going on downtown while we're doing this. Um, Tell us about like what their protest looks like down in Atlanta. 
things have recently escalated. The police have recently escalated their repression against protesters in okay. Atlanta. Prior to this kind of recent period of escalation, um, there were a lot of kind of community-centered actions that were happening in the forest space, concerts, workshops, people coming together to imagine what the land could be if it wasn't used for this police training center, which is, um, I probably should have said earlier, people are calling it Cop City. That's kind yeah, of yeah, what that's it's the name for it. That's what it's known by. Um, even though the original plan was for it to be called the Institute for Social Justice and Police Training or something yeah. like that. Well, and Cop City too, because I, if, if memory serves, because it's been a while since I've seen a schematic of this, but it's something like it looks like real streets to some degree. Like they're going to clear cut to make it look like sort of a community, so that they can then go in and practice raids and you know wearing. Riot gear and, you know, there's a munition and explosive element to this. It's it's kind of a lot, especially to do it in an already forested area as opposed to an actual neighborhood where those buildings like, you know, maybe aren't as important to someone. Yeah, absolutely. Um, they're planning to make a mock city so that uh, they can practice what the opponents of the facility are calling urban warfare. So they're basically training the police to be better at putting down urban protests. Well, and so a bunch of our neighbors have been down there protesting, um, Pittsburghers in Atlanta. What exactly is their message and kind of how are they going about it? As people realize that the traditional means of advocacy were not going to stop the project, there is an, a decentralized autonomous movement that has kind of sprouted up, which really means there's not like one person or one organization calling the shots. People are independently making the choice to participate in whatever you know way feels right to them. Um, a lot of folks, there have been people who have been camping in the South River Forest and have been sitting in trees and like physically occupying space so that developers and construction cannot happen. And recently, earlier this year, the major escalation in the police response to protesters happened when uh, there were some Pittsburghers who were caught up in arrests that people were camping in the woods. They were, um, I think, not even on the proposed site of yeah. the uh cop city. But the Pittsburghers who I talked to who went down there said that they spent time cleaning up the woods, that there have been various police raids where the police have gone through and smashed people's stuff and slashed tents and just left all of this debris lying around. And so they said, we, you know, picked up the trash that the police had left. We tried to beautify the place. We built a latrine. We went on nature walks. You know, like people are really <laughs> yeah. just kind of occupying the space in a creative and peaceful way. I mean, I, I guess I will ask the question, though, is it is it legal to be on that land um, or in those trees? You know, are they are they allowed to be there, you know, through anyone's permission, I guess? I think it technically might be misdemeanor trespassing. Yeah. Like, I think that's about as serious as like what we're talking about here. However, however, yeah, well, your, your, your story says that they were charged with terrorism. Yeah. Um, there were three Pittsburghers who have been among the, I think, almost 40, perhaps like 32 people who at this point have been charged with domestic terrorism, which is a Georgia state law that was enacted in the aftermath of the shooting in Charleston, South Carolina. Yeah. Um, and the kind of the the dialogue around passing this law at the time was, you know, we want to we want to be able to charge mass shooters um, with something more serious. Um, people like white supremacists in particular was kind of what the conversation was about. But in actuality, the first time that they've chosen to mobilize this domestic terrorism law has been in response to people camping in the woods at the cop city site or near the cop city site because the police are mad and the corporations are mad that 
people are standing up to them and saying, we don't want you to do this. Well, anger Uh, is one thing, but what's the legal justification for a charge that serious? The statute itself requires there to be an underlying felony that, uh, you know, is some major disruption to state activity, like political violence with the intent to intimidate the population, disabling like critical infrastructure. This is like what the law says counts as domestic terrorism. However, in a tree is, you know, disabling critical infrastructure. The the justification is truly so flimsy. They, you know, are attempting to define these uh, independent autonomous protesters as part of like a bigger terrorist movement, quote unquote, um, saying that through their like loose affiliation with the defend the Atlanta forest movement, which is kind of the slogan that has been that people have rallied under defending the forest. Yeah. Um, the police are alleging that that's a terrorist movement with kind of no no proof. Nobody has been killed. Nobody has been seriously harmed. None of the folks who have been arrested w- and charged with domestic terrorism are alleged to have hurt anybody. And There's, so what are they facing now, those Pittsburghers that have been charged with, you know, a pretty serious felony in another state? Yeah, there have been rumors swirling around. They haven't yet been indicted, which is the like formal step right. through which they uh, initiate the like legal proceedings. Um, they were arrested and charged, but this would be the next step. Right. They were arrested and charged and spent four days in DeKalb County Jail. Um, the Pittsburghers had uh, their bail set at $15,000, but subsequently people in a similar situation with similar charges have been flat out denied bail or given bail that was like $350,000, just an obscene amount of money. There are there are rumors that the district attorney is planning to charge these folks with domestic terrorism and also under the RICO Act, which I think is racketeering. Influenced and corrupt organizations. Thank you. Yes. (laughs) Remember Um, from my media law class. Yeah. Laws that were designed to go after the mafia and to go after like organized crime on a high level. And they may have to the Pittsburghers who have since returned home may have to return to Georgia to stand trial and could go to prison if they are convicted of this. So I'm Googling this. If successfully prosecuted, the domestic terrorism charge carries a mandatory minimum of five years and up to 35 years in prison. Yeah, that's, yeah, quite serious. Do you like to dance? Look at beautiful art, eat gourmet snacks, people watch? Well, mark your calendars for Friday, June 7th for one of my favorite parties in Pittsburgh. It's Mattress Factory's 25th Garden Party. The theme this year is make-believe, and it's all to celebrate and support the creatives in our community. There's going to be live music, an open bar, an art auction, and probably my favorite, the costume contest. Trust me, I will be judging yins, and so will everyone else there. Be playful, be imaginative, explore your magical realm because this is a theme party. You want to come dressed to impress. You must be 21 and up to attend and rest assured every dollar raised goes directly towards supporting the museum, its art, its education, and all of its community outreach initiatives. Get your tickets now to the 25th Mattress Factory Garden Party. They are in our show notes and online at mattress.org. So Pittsburgh wants to have its own training facility. They've made that clear for years. What are the odds that it becomes then something like this proposed cop city in Atlanta? What are the odds we get something similar? 
the Department of Public Safety and the mayor's office were not super specific about the details of what is planned for Pittsburgh. In particular, I asked, you know, like, what kind of training do you plan to offer? What aspects of the like existing training do you plan to augment? They didn't answer any of those questions. Okay. However, what is notable is that the um, Cop City in Atlanta is a $90 million project mm-hmm. of which the city of Atlanta is going to pay $30 million. Mm-hmm. So it's going to pay 30%. And the rest is coming from private sources. The rest is coming from private corporations through the Atlanta Police Foundation. Yeah. The facility in Pittsburgh, the latest price tag that has been put on it is $120 million. Yeah. So it's 30% more expensive. And I asked the mayor's office about whether they are looking at opportunities for private funding. Like, is the public going to be footing all of that bill? And they said they don't see an opportunity for private funding. So they're indicating that this facility that is 30 percent more expensive than the proposed one in Atlanta is going to be 100 percent paid for by the public. And we don't have a timeline for ours either. Um, I, you know, looking at your piece, I, I reached out to the mayor's office, too, and I was like, do we know anything about this? Um, and they've got $17 million earmarked in the capital budget, but like nothing else. They don't know when they're going to break ground or what it might be or how it might work. It's interesting. And one particular way that the project in Pittsburgh has evolved over time is that it was initially uh, proposed in the Peduto administration to be kind of like an all-encompassing public safety, emergency services headquarters. They were going to bring the like vehicle repair shop from the strip district to this site. What about the academy, which is, I think, on the north side still? Yeah, they were going to move the police academy. The idea is like to consolidate all of these existing locations that Mm -hmm. the city has and bring them all to this site in Lincoln Lemington. Um, Which is also a predominantly black neighborhood. Yes. And not only was it supposed to include the police, it was also supposed to include animal control and emergency services, the fire department. Oh, gosh. Um, One stop shop. Yeah. But since since then, as time has gone on and as we've changed mayoral administrations, Mayor Ganey's office told me that they have focused the project to be specifically about police training. And the price tag has not changed, although like, you know, one hundred and twenty million dollars for specifically just police that is going to be totally paid for by the public. For a while there, there was about, I think, one point five million dollars that city council had set aside for this project. But they have since spent that money the money that they had set aside for the police training facility on other things. And so, yeah, it's it's really unclear where the money is supposed to come from. Um, and in particular, uh, Misha Barner, who I spoke to from the Abolitionist Law Center, says that they really feel that the fact that the money that was initially set aside has been reallocated to infrastructure projects shows that city council understands or that Pittsburgh feels that the money would, would be better spent elsewhere. Gotcha. And what are you hearing from people, you know, either in Lincoln Lemington or, you know, just out in the community about their thoughts on having a training facility, you know, any kind of dedicated space like that, especially, you know, in our city's East End? Yeah. The folks that I've spoken to, especially uh, racial justice advocates and people who care a lot about social and economic and racial justice are very concerned about seeing a heightened investment in the police kind of period. It's it's, it's not a small thing to put a police training facility in a neighborhood already traumatized by a police presence they did not ask for. Yes, absolutely. The uh, Muhammad Ali Nasir from One Hood uh, said that the, that was such a striking similarity to him between the proposed Pittsburgh project and the Atlanta project that they're both in predominantly black neighborhoods. And what we do know about policing in Pittsburgh is that the 
police in Pittsburgh disproportionately target black communities, that they're more likely to stop black motorists, more likely to frisk black people. It is demonstrated in data. The Abolitionist Law Center has a apartheid policing report um, that I pulled some of the numbers from the story for. And it's clear that police in Pittsburgh and frankly nationwide use their resources to target black communities and black people. And right. So to uh, consolidate and relocate all of these police resources in Lincoln Lemington, which is a predominantly black neighborhood, is it's not safe, you know, for the people who live there. It heralds like more violence and and more um, police presence in areas that that are already overpoliced and already overburdened. Jordana, thank you for reporting on all of this. Jordana Rosenfeld is a reporter for Pittsburgh City Paper. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. A little more news before you go. Senator John Fetterman is almost back to work. The former Braddock mayor is home after receiving treatment for clinical depression at a D.C. area hospital. Fetterman talked really openly on CBS Sunday morning about his depression and how it started even before he won the election back in November. He's been getting briefings this whole time, and he says he's expected to be fully back to work by the end of this month. And the Women's Center and Shelter of Greater Pittsburgh has a new app. It's supposed to support folks dealing with partner violence and domestic abuse. They're calling it Bright Sky, and it's got a bunch of resources for identifying risk and warning signs. Plus, it's got a journaling tool to help someone document what's really going on. It's available for free in the App Store, Google Play, and in your favorite web browser. And we'll have a link to it in our show notes. That's all for today here on CityCast Pittsburgh. If you're liking the show, please tell a friend, let folks know. We really appreciate it when you do. And make sure you're subscribed to that Hey Pittsburgh newsletter. It's the best of the Berg every single day. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Talk to you soon.